0: Welcome to the Narrative Health Podcast, where we use the power of stories to promote change through the simple act of listening. Here, we bring you accounts from our community about navigating health and illness, including the hopes, fears, struggles, and triumphs along the way. I'm your host, Amira Hassan. from a patient about taking his health advocacy into his own hands as read by our editor Emily
1: I was sitting in a small exam room maybe it was more like an office the lights were very bright and the room was kind of sterile with a sterile smell too the physician's assistant PA sat up really straight she had short hair and was in her 30s fairly young to me she was polite but formal sort of clinical not mean but not very warm either. She asked a lot of questions of my symptoms and I felt tense and nervous, kind of on edge. I felt like I had to prove myself to get her help. What I was asking about was called syntonic light therapy. They didn't have it at HCMC when I was first there. I heard about it from other members of a brain injury support group. It sort of felt like I should have gotten a letter or phone call saying this was available. I felt hopeful because I was being assertive and advocating for myself. After talking for roughly an hour, the PA said, we don't know if this will help you, but we're willing to try. We can't promise any results. I felt elated. There was some hope for my recovery.
0: Today, to help us learn more about the issues presented in our patient's narrative, we will be speaking with Jill.
2: Uh, My name is Jill Ellingson. I'm the mental health director at Community University Health Care Center. I'm a LPCC, which means a licensed professional clinical counselor, and my specialty is in clinical mental health counseling.
0: Thank you for joining us. So, what struck you most about this story?
2: Um, I was really uh, touched that this patient really felt heard by their provider, um, which I think is really where we're going in healthcare, and that he had done some of his own research to see what he thinks might be best. Um, we think professionals always have, or are doctors, or was have the answers, and we realize that they don't. Um, when I work with patients, I always tell them that they know they're the expert on themselves, they know themselves best. And if we can collaborate together to find a better outcome, I think ultimately that makes the, the work that we're doing more successful.
0: And what is it like for you when a patient suggests their own treatment?
2: I encourage it. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a conversation we can have that uh, we're working together collaboratively to figure out how to, how to get through this, how to have a better outcome. Um, knowing that research out there isn't always the best, You know, depending on where they're going and looking for information, but we, it's a conversation starter. We can talk through what does this mean? What does this look like? Where are they hoping to get to? Um, what is the outcome that the, they'd be satisfied with? Um, and even what are their worries around it? And just, it's a more true conversation
1: struck me was the listening as Jill said and how that provided hope that they felt that being heard that they advocated for themselves and that they felt stronger because of that and happier because of that and having that hope and being heard and advocating for themselves.
0: To you Jill what is the role of hope in recovery?
2: Oh that's key if we don't have hope that we can get better or things will be better um there's really no motivation to change or to look at other options. We have to have hope from a, both a provider standpoint and from our patient standpoint. If, if neither one of us have hope, then it's not gonna be a successful relationship.
0: This is kind of a tangent, but do you work with motivational interviewing at all? Do you use those skills?
2: hmm yeah, that's a huge, um, huge training area for most professionals. Um, whether it's uh, sticking to all of the pieces of it or it's adapting pieces of motivational interviewing and incorporating that into your work. Um, I feel like if you adapt it, you become more genuine and you can really relate better with the people that you're working with.
1: Can you briefly explain what motivational interviewing is and how that helps?
2: So motivational interviewing is really trying to get more at the root of what what's motivating the person that you're working with and what strategies or ways that we can work together, um, to get to a common understanding. Um, so using different lines of questioning, um, I personally use a lot of strength-based work and looking at what's worked, how have you gotten through where you're at, how can we use that to continue going forward? Um, but it's really looking more towards a, um, collaborative conversation or collaborative agreement versus one of us knowing more than the other.
0: How does it change a patient's health outcome when they are able to collaborate with their physician on a health plan rather than have their physician just tell them this is right, do this, mm-hmm. versus this is wrong, don't do this? That's
2: a really good question. Uh, I think there's more, there's more motivation and there's more agreement to move forward on it. Um, people feel heard. They feel like they have control and they can actually contribute to what's happening versus being told, you need to go do this. Um, but there seems to be more control for the, the person that you're working with, for the patient or client, or and they feel more control in their treatment. And so they also, I think, ultimately feel more successful, or at least I do when I am using, when a provider with me uses more of that collaborative approach. I feel like I get a say in what's happening with my body or with the work that I'm doing and... Then I also feel empowered to be able to keep going and, and moving forward. If I'm told to do something, I'm less likely to be excited about doing anything.
0: It seems tempting to take on a role as a professional or a caretaker for your patients when you want to see them get well based on your knowledge, but is it ever more beneficial to let go of that role to allow the patients to try a medication or treatment that they may be hesitant about? But that they are very confident about and eager to pursue
2: I think really hearing your your patient or your client's voice is is key and he, hearing where they're excited or they're more willing to go and where they're more hesitant um, helps you both collaborate together um, and decide what both of you think is best and I, I think there there's that trust that gets built in that where um the provider can say, look, I don't know if this is going to work, but it's worth a shot. And that person can decide whether they want to try it, they want to take on the risk or not. Um, but having that true kind of genuine back-and-forth dialogue um, sets the scene and, and really develops that relationship between between the two them or the entire care team, depending on how many people are on it. Um, if we don't hear what our our patients are hesitant about, we don't always know why they're not maybe taking our recommendations or why medication isn't working or why physical therapy isn't working or whatever it is that we're prescribing or asking them to try. But we we really need to have that that back and forth of let's be honest and let's let's together come up with how we want things to look.
0: Going off that, when I was reading the story, I felt like the change in the tone came in when the – PA said, we don't know if this will help you, but we're willing to try. We can't promise any results. And then the patient wrote, I felt elated. And I think that is something that we all go through as patients, too, when we hear a physician say, you know what, it's worth a try. I don't know if it's going to work. It's just the thought that they're giving us that autonomy. Mm -hmm. I think that changes everything.
2: Mm -hmm. You feel heard. You feel like you do know something. You feel like, um, you know, you know your body, or your mind or whatever's going on around you. And um, our doctors or our therapists or psychiatrists, they know their work. And when we put those two together, it's a really powerful feeling to say, I don't know, let's try, let's figure it out.
1: I'm very happy and elated to hear you talk about how you listen and hear your patients. That is one of the tenets that we talk about in narrative health is this ability to listen to our patients How do you train to learn to listen to where they are at the moment instead of the treatment plan first? How do you learn that patient-first way of listening?
2: I think some of it is who you are as a person. We gravitate to professions for a reason. Some of it, I think, is trial and error and taking feedback from the people that you work with and have them say, I don't think you heard what I said, and to be able to take that step back. Um, Of course, in all of our... Studies and programs, they we get taught how to listen and w- how to ask questions, um, which, you know, before I went through my graduate program, seemed kind of funny to me. Of I have to learn how to ask a question. Like, I thought I know how to do that. Um, but I think it's trial and error, and it's as you work with more people and just um, being humble about your experience and being honest with yourself that you don't have all the answers, and we all need to learn from each other um, I often say, the day I stop learning is the day I need to stop doing whatever it is that I'm doing, because that means I'm not open. Um, and I think that's what people come back, is to have that conversation for you to be real. Our, our patients don't necessarily expect us to have all the answers. What I think they expect is to have somebody that they can bring whatever is on their mind to, to talk about it, and together figure out what might be the best solution. Um, I say I'm not giving you answers, particularly when I'm doing therapy. I'm not gonna give you the answers, but I'm gonna help you on your journey. We're creating this roadmap together, and we'll find the road construction together, and we'll figure out how to get through it. Or we'll figure out when we need to make that U-turn and say, oh, maybe let's try something else. But ultimately, it's a partnership. And if we're not doing it together, if we're not hearing each other, we're not gonna get anywhere. We're gonna hit that dead end, and we're never gonna get out of it but it's it's just being genuine, and it's just understanding that everybody has, has their voice.
0: In the story the patient writes, I felt like I had to prove myself to get her help. Do patients feel like they have to prove they're sick to get help?
1: Yes,
2: definitely. I think um, that thinking is totally there. Our, our medical system is set up that we go in to get help when we are sick when we have a pain, when we break something, when something isn't going well. Absolutely. Um, and our our uh, medical insurance system is set up that way. We have to prove that you have a broken leg or diabetes or depression in order for the services that you're seeking to get paid for. So definitely our system is set up that way. I think when you know someone walks in through my door and they say, I want to meet with you, my lens is looking at Um, where can I help you? Whether you actually have a diagnosis of depression or you're just feeling sad or you're just feeling worried or you're just bummed out because the Packers lost last weekend, you know, whatever that might be, the sense is that you have to be sick to get services. So I think one of the things that we have, our challenge is how do we, how do we work within our systems? So how do we provide that insurance language, medical necessity for you to get care but then also work with, in our daily work or the sessions that we're doing, how do we look at where you want to go? A sincere thank you to all of our listeners
0: for tuning in to our Narrative Health podcast. For more information, visit our Community University Healthcare Center website. That's www.cuhcc.umn.edu.